Hi, you're about to listen to the fifth episode of Café con Science by Latino Labs. We thank you so much for your support and your patience during the start of this new project, and we're very excited of the direction that it's going. We are buying new hardware to fix a lot of our sound problems, but we thought we would continue to share episodes while we do our upgrade. Don't forget to subscribe whatever you're listening to this podcast. And you can always learn more about the project at latinolabs.org and support us at patreon.com slash latinolabs. Hi, I'm Andrea. Hi, I'm Nico. Hi, I'm Alina. Hi, I'm Gabo. And this is Latino Labs. Yeah, it is Latino Labs. <laughs> but, but it's Café con Science. Yeah, it's Café con Science. <laughs> we're trying. By Latino Labs. And today we're taking our coffee break. Andrea, you're eating sad. I'm drinking coffee. And then we're just chilling here in Jilla. Yeah, and so we're going to talk about coffee. Nobody brought coffee. Oh, you did. I did. <laughs> I really want I don't know where it comes from. Sound. Oh, I think it comes from, I think it's Colombian. I think Ines Free uses like a Colombian, Colombian farm. Yeah. That's nice. Anyway, so we're, um, I've been reading an article about uh, climate change and coffee and about how temperature rises, uh, sea level rises, changes in precipitation can all essentially mess up our sweet, <laughs> yes, all of our agriculture, including our sweet, sweet coffee fuel, <laughs> science <laughs> fuel. Our uh, government-approved drug. Okay. <laughs> Science fuel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so you shared, and then again, we'll share this on the website, this article that looks at and um, kind of the impact of climate change on the production of coffee, in particular in Puerto Rico, right? Yeah. So they, uh, they use Puerto Rico as a case study um, to get high-resolution geographical data and really... What do you mean by that? Which... I don't know, what do you, what's high geography? So like, I think we should start with like a summary of the article, yeah, or like at so, least the abstract and conclusion. Yeah, um, so they, they use uh, geographical data, GIS, so. Uh, <laughs> I think is that, is that like all kind of data that you can like put, put on a map. Place? Yeah, put on a map. So maybe so, what, like temperature, humidity, yeah. rainfall. Mm-hmm. Soil okay. quality, things like that, yeah. Any, anything, you can use it for a bunch of different things, and so they. They compile it all. Yeah. Um, and so they, they used a lot of parameters. <laughs> that, is, that is the technical, the technical word, yeah. yeah. Lots. <laughs> How about a little bit of the history of coffee in Puerto Rico? Yeah, so the article talks about um, how coffee in, in the Caribbean, especially under Spanish colonial rule, used to be a major coffee producer. And after the Spanish got kicked out by the U.S., uh, coffee production started to fall. Um, they invested their money in different sectors of the economy rather than big agricultural projects. And uh, essentially, coffee was that in combination with a series of big, devastating hurricanes over the last century, essentially kicked coffee production while it was down, <laughs> or coffee farmers. In Puerto Rico. Yeah. Right now, it's done in very small scale by local farmers. Does it stay inside? Does Puerto Rico export much of its coffee? I don't think so. Um, not definitely really- not to to the rest of the world. Some of it goes to Puerto Rican heavy markets in the U.S., so like Florida. You can find in New York. Um, any 
But I, I think the history of Puerto Rican coffee is less important than the, the goal of the study, which is, you know, to use high quality data to, to predict essentially what techniques Puerto Rican farmers should start using and how they how everyone should be preparing for essentially losing. Puerto Rican culture is very proud of our of our coffee. I feel like I'm talking too much. So, so no, but what we're trying to understand, so because clearly, Andrea yeah. and I did not read the article because well, yeah. we're like, we I we are so. we're a bad person, people. I don't need to read the article. I read the abstract, but I didn't read the article. Yeah. So the that, abstract basically says like, right. So temperatures have increased, which changes the window of of the possible living conditions for a certain type of coffee bean, um, and that that's going to be a problem in the future. As con- as the temperatures continue to increase, is basically what the abstract was saying, right? Yeah, typical harvesting periods of the year is from October to March, which is winter, <laughs> and if winter is shortened, um, and is there something also? So so what do the so so is this article looking more at um, some impacts of climate change and how then that would should inform? The coffee production, is that what you're saying, kind of thing? Yeah, it's it's from the Department of Forest Management. Oh, so the, it's like an official report kind of thing. Yeah, uh, or from the University of Puerto Rico's Department of Forest Management. Yeah, so like I know, for example, that coffee grows at very specific altitudes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so for example, um, if sea levels were to rise, then that would change the conditions that coffee can grow. Is that part of it? Uh, yeah, and right, not just rising sea levels, but the two main varieties of coffee that are farmed and harvested require very narrow temperature ranges. Mm-hmm. It's between 22 and 27 Celsius. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice. Yeah, nice temperatures. Yeah, like human temperatures. <laughs> human temperatures. <laughs> and so, so what can so like yeah, of course, if if the temperature, the average temperature changes or something, that could mean that a farmer that used to grow coffee now need to grow something else, basically? Or what can they do? Or can they change the coffee bean? So I know there's a lot of investment in, in, in varieties that resist and change the temperature range and things like that. I know there's an Institute of Research for Coffee in Colombia, and I think they produce really? a lot of, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of the Arabica beans that you consume, even the ones that are cultivated anywhere else, mm-hmm. they're, they, they're a variety that was developed there. Um, so so what can what, what are the possible possibilities for a farmer? Like... 20 years in the future, what should they be looking at? One of the main things is um, the small farms are really flexible in what they can do, and so they can adapt quickly to changes. Um, but the, the main strategies were kind of like experimental farming techniques, like using shade trees over the over your crops. crops. Yeah, to essentially too much sun is bad. For, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It gets too hot, it's bad for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Especially coffee. So shaded coffee is like a thing that, that can be used. Yeah. Yeah. And um, well, I thought the topic was interesting because it's again. Yeah, we can just talk about it. But yeah. It's, it's also yeah. just it's looking. It's just like one. It's not just coffee that's going to be affected. Like there are plenty of different crops that we have to grow in the tropics, like chocolate. Yeah. For example, that's going to get, you know. Uh, what's a non-expletive for this um it's going to have trouble um, well, yeah yeah so like the, the agriculture needs to adapt so this is like climate change adaptation mm-hmm. which is kind of the word out there instead of like you can have mitigation like 
basically it's too late to change how things are going, but then we should look at how we can, how we can mitigate yeah. so that the change is not too large and also how we can adapt. But what I thought the topic was interesting when Gawa sent it this morning um, was that this is how, you know, how we can use real kind of science and data and like, you know, kind of a scientific way to looking at data and then go back to kind of a human activity. Like, right. you know, this is, that's why I was like, you know, this is, Hopefully, yeah. I don't know if they take into account like social, like, apparently they do, right? Because there's a, like most of the farmers in Puerto Rico are small farmers. So they take into account like the social um, kind of environment. So it's like kind of social science with a hard science mixed, which I think if you want to make something like usable science, this is a pretty good way. Yeah, it's very applicable to all of us, I guess, because with the crops, then all of our like daily choices are affected. Um, and not only that, but like the choices of the people growing them. Are affected which is like a an extra realm of yeah yeah and like uh, Gabo said um, and actually the article says uh, Puerto Rican coffee farmers are actually very used to um, getting having to change whatever they're growing depending on what's going on environmentally climatically yeah because they're used to like bad weather events <laughs> let's say yeah. and and drastic uh, regime changes <laughs> <laughs> not maybe Sh our shit happens. Not, okay, not necessarily our generation, but well, well, anyway, they do have to change around what they're growing a lot. Yeah, yeah. So we can't. It's not like it's. It's technically people can adapt. Like humans are very good at adapting. Um, but does it mean that coffee? I mean, if coffee production goes down worldwide, what are we gonna do? Then coffee will go up in price, well, right? Yeah, like according, yeah. suppose you know, <laughs> supposedly, right? Yeah. If the demands is the same. Or maybe then that will motivate somebody to start producing like artificial coffee. Can we make, oh, to the chemist in the room. There is, you can't have just like, you can, I think, synthesize caffeine. And there are caffeine pills out in the world yeah. um, that you can buy if you really just need a hit. What? Then, yeah, caffeine pills exist. Um, yeah. They're very dangerous. They're, Don't use them. I mean, they're not like dangerous in the sense of like, you'll die if you take one. You'll just, you know, have an interesting day and possibly some interesting digestion for a few weeks. But um, it'll be fine. I, I, so pills are the easiest way to overdose on caffeine. Agreed. You, agreed. You, you can overdose, right? Yeah. yeah, but it's a lot. You um, you have to take a lot of them. Similar to like Tylenol. Like, don't take seven Tylenols at a time. Don't take seven caffeine pills at a time. I'm not a. Please don't take Are my medical using? recommendations. <laughs> Andrea, <laughs> do you have something doctors. to tell us? No, 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 no. Um, I only drink coffee like once or twice a day. But I did. I do remember in college, our first year, we were trying to like get a. Uh, we were doing a haunted house in our dorm. And we were trying to get that together, and we had like 24 hours, and one kid did take caffeine pills, and he had a really rough day the next day <laughs> because of it. So that was the only experience. Really. So you could make artificial coffee. So yeah, uh, you could make the caffeine part. Then you have to make it taste right because that's like that's the part that everyone will get mad at you about. If you fudge it on how much caffeine is in the glass of coffee, you probably are going to fool most people, but the flavor the like very specific like bitter to acidic to whatever people say i don't i don't know things about coffee but people are very invested in this and very yeah. Yeah, but what they care the, a lot what is the typical amount of caffeine in coffee is it like 30 milligrams or something no like it's that? like 200 milligrams a, a cup okay um but that's something, something like that, that you right? can like 
set at a and yeah yeah form. it's that's like easy that's you, easy you could part. dissolve caffeine in water <laughs> yeah so really <laughs> right now what we're saying is that because of climate change is a good moment to invest in artificial coffee companies yeah okay my yeah, question maybe. for you cabo is it worth growing uh, just pursuing um having a coffee a large coffee market in in Puerto Rico, or not market, but like harvest. That's a big question. <laughs> please solve a Puerto Rico's coffee market yeah. production right now. <laughs> Is it worth investing? Uh, probably not. And the, I think I really like the article because it was an intersection of climate science, uh, ecology, and like forestry and agriculture, and the social policy of like if Puerto Rico, like if Puerto Rico as a country wants to, or as an entity wants to keep coffee, like their artisanal coffee, the government needs to like hardcore get lean into uh, renewable energy and pushing the US essentially, because the US is the only legal tie the government has into, ooh, we almost spilled some coffee. (laughs) Some precious coffee that won't be available in 50 years. But really. Well, yeah, yeah, we don't don't know. But yeah, so, so. so this, this goes back to like can I, we mitigate or not yeah, yeah well this goes back to like usable science so this article is trying to be like some researchers that are clearly specialists in in the climate kind of climate intersection with agriculture are trying to put out um usable information such so so that farmers and hopefully policymakers can make decisions right so it should be like could be that in order to avoid you know people's production being usable in like 10 years the government should start putting out information saying like hey maybe you should be thinking about doing this other thing maybe the government should be investing in solar and other forms of energy oh yeah that too but it's like a different topic well i mean yeah i mean that's 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 happening i don't know how it's happening in puerto rico but according to the article it says that the um, with the trends that they have of the average temperature of Puerto Rico, somewhere between 2041 and 2070, somewhere in between those years, it may reach a tipping point where it's too hot to actually produce um, coffee. That's pretty real. It's like 80% reduction in in, in the next current. Years. Yeah. Now I'm like, I'm wondering about, so we were talking about this before, now I'm wondering about Colombia, because we're talking about in Puerto Rico, coffee is not a large percentage of the economy. Yeah. But Colombia produces something about between 20 and 25% of the world production. And it's a large percentage of the, of the GDP. So now I'm, I'm a little worried. We need uh, to go look and, at and Colombia is closer to the equator, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the mountains are higher. So that's the thing. Usually mm. what has been happening, and there has been some documentation of this, yeah. like farmers have been just moving the crops higher and higher in the mountains. You can't do that in Puerto Rico, which is why the article is especially focused on like shade coffee growing and other alternative men. Well, considering that it's a small island, but it's yeah. a mountainous island. They're, all, the, they're, all, the, all the Caribbean islands. I don't know if it's a small island. It's pretty large. It's large. It's small compared. But compared to like Colombia, you know, like yeah. a huge chunk. That's what I mean. Like You, you can, can cross it in two hours. <laughs> right. well, uh, yeah, okay. You can't get across Bogota in like two hours. No. With no traffic. <laughs> yeah. With traffic, it takes like eight hours. <laughs> so there are mountains in Puerto Rico, but they're kind of small. Right, Vol- but eventually. Vol- old and volcanic. Eventually, that's like also not a, a long term <laughs> answer. Out of <laughs> right? You've got, you've got a peak at some point. 
Yeah. You run out of soil as you go up the mountain, too. That, too. And there are probably other issues as you go up, like maybe... Oxygen. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's not, it's not a sustainable. I don't think it's a sustainable <laughs> thing. But like you know, so there, there's the whole thing. Like when you look at this as in a kind of big picture, it's easy to be like, you know, this is not a solution, etc. But like if you're looking at it from like an individual farmer's perspective, they might say like, well, we just need to move. Like it works better up there. So like let's yeah, just start moving, right? Absolutely. Year to year, because because you have to live year to year. You cannot live like with a twenty year. Um, mm-hmm kind of scope which is you know kind of um what Gao was saying that hopefully these props government in theory has to have more than like hopefully more than <laughs> a four more years, than a four-year plan <laughs> more than a four-year plan right so this is something they should yeah. take into account it's interesting that you require a certain altitude for you to grow caffeine um containing plants because like look at a uh, tea for example tea needs to needs a certain level of altitude to oh, grow tea also well. oh uh, okay, well, I don't know if that's like a general caffeine statement or just like tea and coffee. Yeah, no, I mean, where does chocolate grow? Your chocolate has caffeine too, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it has caffeine. So it, like, it actually can grow, well, it can grow pretty low. Okay. Yeah, it can grow pretty low because you can, I've seen, so I've seen cacao plantations together with um, rubber plantations. They are, they actually require a similar climate and then you can, you can grow them together and it's good. Like they... They complement each other. That's nice. Um, and so you can do both. And then that's you. You need hot, humid environment. So the big farms that I know are in the area of Barranca Bermeja, which is maybe like only like a thousand feet above sea level. So like, and it's hot and humid like all the time, like all the time, like really hot and like really humid. <laughs> yeah. Are you? Trying to convince me to go there? No, no, no. It's, it's too hot. <laughs> too humid. Um, but yeah, you can grow rubber. Rubber is a rough one, too. I don't know what's going to happen with rubber. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Rubber is a rough one because you it's like an eight-year investment before you can start producing. That's really? Yeah. It's like avocados and mangoes. Avocados, like what does it take? Like It's like three to five or something. It's like 10 to 20 years for, for maturity what? from a seed. For, for, for an which av- plant? For an avocado. That makes sense now. That makes a lot of sense. I I, I actually grew a, a, a avocado tree and I it, I waited like <laughs> forever, like my entire childhood, for that plant to give me. Do your parents have it? Yeah, well, it's a house that we used to live in Miami. Okay. It's just like, when is this avocado gonna give me avocado? I mean, when is this avocado tree gonna give me avocados? Uh, so those are like enjoying them in Miami. <laughs> yeah, so, screw them. So those those crops are crops that are not just you can't just move them. Yeah. Right. So, so that's that's another question. I don't know how climate will impact those. Very strongly. <laughs> no. So right now, under the so the the article ran like three different emission scenarios. Essentially, how hard do we put a stop to climate change, or how hard do we burn? It's like their favorite thing fuels. to do. Like yeah. if we stop now, or. Yeah, but it's with the uncertainty and stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's important to run a lot of models because right. Hard. Hard and chaotic and really difficult to predict. But the the point is that even under the low like the lowest emission scenario that they compared or they they used, coffee production in Puerto Rico at least went down like thirty to sixty percent over the next century. So then Puerto Rico needs to find something else to make. Most likely. So what is what else is uh, Puerto Ricans very proud of? Maybe they can grow rubber. 
Well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. You have water and hot. Is it hot and humid? Yeah. Yeah. It's the Caribbean. But is it like a, a fickle thing? Because if it can't stand up to the hurricanes, then it's over too. I do not know, but I can ask. I have an uncle. Who does rubber? Yeah, who does rubber, yeah. I, I can ask him. I, have no, I don't know. I've do, never you not, do you not have an uncle that no, does rubber? I, don't have an uncle that does rubber. <laughs> I thought that was a thing. It's just well, like some, not ever something that I consider well, like cultivating rubber. I don't know. I like I know that it's a natural product, but it's also just I, it's not. It's so different. Yeah, the history of rubber is like fascinating. I'm sure it is. It is. It, I mean, because it was a Brazilian monopoly for like all the big, the end of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century. Really? And it was forbidden to like transport, you know, just like the silk and the silkworms and the silk road. Like China did not let the silkworms be exported and it was illegal to try to do it. Like same thing in Brazil. But then the English managed to eventually do it. So in, in the beginning of the 20th century, Manaus, so the capital of the Amazon, was the richest city on earth because wow. they had all the rubber. And then, like, it was very inequitable and it was very rough and, like, you know, it was basically slavery. And then they became really, really rich. So a lot of the old buildings in Manaus are amazing. Like, they were assembled in, like, Italy with, like, French blah, 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 blah. Uh, all just, the rich people stuff. All the, all the rich people stuff. And then it's in the middle of the Amazon. Manaus is a crazy city because of that. And then the English managed to steal some seeds. Um, it's a particular guy. I don't remember his name. And then they uh, took it to... Um, Southeast Asia, which has very similar climate conditions, and then that's where they did it. And the way they did it is they developed the technology in farming it. So the way the Brazilians were doing it is just like sending people to the jungle and like bleeding the trees that already were there. Whereas like the English actually like kind of formalized it and create like this giant like industry that is now in Southeast Asia. And then now like it's trying to be reimported in like South America. Um, anyway, so this is this is rubber. The yeah, <laughs> the rubber right yeah. I think the Wikipedia article on rubber is pretty good. I'll check it out. Yeah. We can talk about that next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, the, there's another Colombian thing. I, think, I mean, the other thing that Colombians have, like everybody has like a cousin, like first or second degree cousin, like in Miami. That's like a Colombian thing, I think. Um, I, well, I, well know, I feel like they just come out of the woodwork for people who are Colombian. It's just like, weirdly, they clump up. I swear my parents will go into any building and come out with like three Colombians. And I don't know how they do it, but they'll just find them. They just zone in. Yeah, you, you, you can tell. You can tell. <laughs> I can tell. Can yeah. But the mannerisms. Uh, I mean, I can, tell, I can tell based on like when they're speaking Spanish. But until they like start doing that, no. Yeah. <laughs> The, the the trick is to like send up bait like speak Spanish loudly as you walk into the building and you know like I mean is there any other way? <laughs> um, <laughs> is that why we haven't done a Spanish episode? Uh, no 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 no. I, uh, yeah, well we're keeping Capricorn Science in uh, in English for now, but because all our days are in English. But um, we're hoping to get to Latino Lab soon too, which will be more in Espanol. Yeah, más en Spanish. All right, I think this is this is it for today's coffee break. Um, so this was Nico. Uh, uh, I'm Andrea. I'm Alina. I'm Gabo. And uh, yeah, this was Café con Science. Café con Science con café. All right, <laughs> con café. <laughs>